Thank you, Brother Bosworth. Good evening, friends. <laughs> We're very happy to be here this afternoon to speak to you in the name of our lovely Jesus Christ. So happy to see you looking bright. This has certainly been one bright day for me, although gloomy outside. But I'm beginning to learn more about the ministry of our Lord than I've ever known in all my life. Last night, I, it was last Tuesday night, Brother Beeler and, and you all, if you're taking recordings, I'd like to ask you and Brother Woods to be sure to keep last Tuesday night and last night for me. I want those recordings. <clears throat> um, it was uh, last Tuesday night where well, I've explained to you why I tried something, and last night I was watching the Holy Spirit as it moved around, and, and in this corner, somewhere over in this way, is a group of mutes uh, setting. And I seen though that hanging over those mutes, they would just go from one to another like that. Well, I didn't know just exactly how to to get it to them. And then I watched, and it went right back towards the back of the building there, and over some lady was standing back in there. And it come back over and went over in this corner here, just kept moving around. And I thought, oh, if I could just just get that one thing for the people to believe, right now it'll happen. That, that'll be it. Just It'll be a climax like Vandale, Illinois was that time. So it just, and all of a sudden, why, I begin to see it just look like drops are falling. I said, if you'll just believe God and listen now, you'll see something you've never seen before. And then when I, next thing I remember, the the boy and them had me out somewhere else. <laughs> so it was just, just so glorious. I believe that it's just coming to a place where we're just fixing to get somewhere in, in the meeting, that people just begin to learn, catch on to what it means. By the way, speaking of Van Daly, as we got out of the car a few moments ago, there was a lady, which is in the building here somewhere now, she and her daughter, was giving me a testimony of Van Daly. She said she was, and if I get it right, I hope I do, she just told me a few moments ago, said she was, when I was in Van Daly, she was washing her dishes, and she had a great big tumor, size of a grapefruit, and said she was, shook her hands, the Lord said, go up to Van Daly to be healed. She went to her husband, and he said, we just can't do it, honey. He said, oh, we only got $10, and so I just got to have it for something else. So that was on Saturday, and she was so let out. So then she went ahead, and she went about and commenced praying and said, now, Lord, you don't talk to me. Now, you talk to him a while. <laughs> so to what to do with this $10? And said, after a while, next morning, said she come up, and it's raining. Her husband comes and said, did you say you want to go to Van Daly? <laughs> Away they went. And it got over there, they cut, it rained us out in the tent, and they had us in an auditorium. And I was so completely gone that I could hardly stand up. So she said she couldn't get a prayer card. And that's what she was relying on, getting up in the prayer line. And I said, well, all of you line up, and all I'm going to do is just lay hands on you. Now, if you believe that what you've seen happen, this is the truth, just lay your, I just lay my hands on you as you pass by, and each one of you be healed if you believe it. Now, where I base that, friends, is on what he told me. He said, if you'll be sincere when you pray, get the people to believe you, nothing will stand before the prayer. See? Well, now, the main thing, I said, well, I can't make them believe me because I have no education, very poor speaker, all oh, mine, no personality. I haven't got nothing. See, I'm just, just blank. So I said, how would they, how would, he said, 
as Moses was given two signs of a vindication, so will you be given. And by this the people will believe you. And so at that time, the only thing I could tell was just what was wrong with a person taking them by the hand, holding their hand, or laying my hand on them like that. And then I just wouldn't say nothing, just let him say it. Whatever it was is always 100% right. Then he said this other would take place. Well, anyhow, the woman, she come by, and oh, she said, I just put my hand on her, said she wanted me to stop and pray with her, tell her she had a tumor and all these things, that she'd seen others, and she just wanted it done that way. But said it wasn't a little choice. She just had to accept what come. That was all. So I said, prayed for her. Said she went home with a let-down feeling. Said, you know, it's just about a month later that she began to notice that that wasn't sore anymore where that tumor was at in the abdomen here. It wasn't sore. She goes to get examined, and the tumor was gone. She hasn't had it since. <laughs> the tumor's been gone. A tumor size of a grapefruit. Now, see, the lady herself... She didn't get it, see? but God knew it. See? She passed by. See, God is already speaking on this end of the line down here on what to do. When she was washing her dishes or whatever, some way she had her hands in water, I believe she said. She shook her hands. And now that was God speaking. Her life, probably that tumor would have become malignant and she died. So God didn't want her to die, so he just moved on her to go up there. Well, then... When he did that, well, then her husband, he had to move on her husband, too. See, we ask God for things, for, and sometimes we don't give him time to answer us. Isn't that right? Why, for instance, people say, you hear people don't even believe in divine healing. You say, get down and say, oh, Lord, I pray that you'll end the wars over the world. Oh, my, my. For divine healing, you've only got to change one mind. And for ending the war, look at the millions of minds you'd have to change, you see? So my, how hard it would be for God to do that. He has to work on this person, this person, this person out there. And divine healing is only has to work on one person. That's you. That's all. See? So it's easy to believe divine healing. Then ask him to change, change the whole international program. Anyhow, the woman, she, God told her husband, so they come up there, and that was God's program. Now, I told her if she just believed when she come by, any of them, it would be just, God would do just the same. And said it, that's what, I wonder if that woman's in the building. She has taken a picture out there a few minutes ago, a movie picture. Are you in here, lady? If you would, just raise up your hand. Uh, a lady that was, uh, where? Oh, yes, yes, sitting right out here. God bless you. That was the lady from, stand up again so the people can see you. How long, that's been about seven or eight years ago, hasn't it, sister? No tumor, nothing's all gone. Everything's perfect. Let's say thanks to all heart. Sure, he's real. Now, what did that? The woman's faith in God. That's right. The woman's faith in God's what did it? Because Jesus already had her healed all along. Don't you believe that? When he died at Calvary, just think what Jesus did. When he died at Calvary, he healed everybody. Is that right? And when he died at Calvary, he saved everybody. There's no sinners after that. In the sight of God, everybody was saved. He's the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. Well, you say, then what do I do? Then you, but it won't do you no good to you repent and accept it. Then if you accept it, then you go in as a Christian. If you don't accept it, you've already judged yourself. You don't have to be judged. If you go beyond mercy, it's already judgment. God done said the day you eat there, that day you die. So you haven't even got a chance. See? You've either got to accept it or go before God. And you, you don't have to be judged because you're already judged. God's done. He said one time, the day you eat there, the day you die. That settles it. 
And only the blood of Jesus Christ stands between you and that. So we're happy today to be free in Christ. Just think what's happened this week. People that was totally blind got their sight. Death. All kinds of things has taken place where our Lord has did. Oughtn't we to believe with all of our heart? I tell you, I feel like I'm, Brother Bosworth, I feel like I'm a new person to get started out in the ministry. I just kind of long for the time to get back from overseas again, to pitch back into some of these American meetings. Now, I gave out last night, I was going to preach or talk on missions for this afternoon. But being at my time got away a little bit, I better just take a little subject and speak just a few minutes and then go right on because we've got another service coming up right away. And I hope tonight is the greatest meeting that we've ever had yet. Don't you hope so? I trust there won't be one thing but what God will heal every person in divine presence tonight. I believe he will. I'm looking for this. And then... Tomorrow, we leave for West Palm Beach, Florida, to be there in the next meeting. Now, there's not too many. I see only one wheelchair and a cot, I believe, is what's left as far as I can see. And to you this afternoon, I want you to look and live. I want you to have faith. And while I speak to you just a little bit on the Word of God, <coughs> pardon me, I want you to believe with all your heart that God will stimulate your faith. You know, sometimes I think that, uh, I wonder how the Lord feels about us sometimes when He does so many things for us, and yet we just sit like we were in a subconsciously, don't we? I, aren't we all guilty? I am. We just sit and say, well, Lord, I, I wish you'd do something for me. He can't do nothing no more for us than what he's already done. He's already healed us. He's already saved us. He's already given us joy. He's given us his peace. He's our shield, our buckler, our, everything that we have is in him, and he's done, paid the price of redemption to redeem us back as sons and daughters of God. There's only one thing in the world that, that is yet left undone, that is physical death. We've all got to die because that was... The only way God has to bring us up home. That's the only avenue we can travel is through death, to get home. So everything is under his feet, everything, except death. And death has done been, the penalty of death has done been taken off. And now we just go right into his presence and someday return back and be made immortal and live on this earth. A thousand years with Jesus Christ. Amen. I believe that. I'm strictly a millennialist. I believe in the millennium. I believe all these Hebrew prophets and through the ages spoke on the golden age of millennium coming, and I believe we're going to have it. And we'll reign here with him a thousand years. Now, he's post-millennium, pre-millennium, no millennium. And if you say, well, I don't believe in any at all, that's all right. We're still brothers. <laughs> we're brothers just the same. But I just kind of believe there's going to be that reign. God, I wish I had time to get into it. I talk on it this afternoon. How that he unfolded and then folds right back again. How that God unfolded him before the beginning of time. How he, he unfolded himself out of great something. He could see nothing. Brought it into the Logos. Then into man. 
Then how last night I was talking how he unfolds himself down through man, out a pillar of fire, into the sun, out into man. How wonderful then how man was brought from death, the penalty of death, how he come down. Now coming on his road back through justification, through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then back into the from this mortal back into the immortal like he was in the beginning, and then back into flesh again, just like God brought him in the beginning. To eat, drink. Oh, wonderful. See? Man, before he was this man, he was a spirit man. God made the first man in his own image. How many says that's right? Well, what kind of image has God got? He's a spirit, is that right? So he made a spirit man before he made a flesh man. Then he put man in five senses to contact his earthly home. He might have given him hands like a monkey and foot like a bear, I don't know. But anyhow, that wasn't the image of God. God's a spirit. But then God came down and was made in the image of man to redeem man back to himself when he was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we go right out of this redeemed life, from this redeemed life into that immortal life again in the supernatural body, then back into flesh again, just like God, bring us right back to the Garden of Eden again, just the same thing. Could you imagine how beautiful that was that morning when Adam took Eve by the arm, went walking down through the garden? Oh, my, those big birds are flying in peace, no sickness, never to die. She'd never have to use any of your manicure you put on your face to make her look pretty. And she, she, um, that's wrong, I know. I, somebody laughed. That is, what is this you call that stuff? Anyhow, it's, it's paint, you know, that you put on your face. Manicure, what? That's, that's in your hair, oh, ain't it? That's what you put in your hair. Um, anyhow, it's somebody, I don't know. <laughs> somebody. I'm making it worse all the time. <laughs> Never will forget when my wife sent me to get a pair of socks one time, or stockings, and she was supposed to get them there, and kind of got the full style in the back of them, you know. It's got that little funny thing, and there's two different kinds. One is called chiffon, and the other one is rayon. I believe the chiffon's the best. Is that right, ladies? Is, is that a chiffon? And I was going down the street hollering, chiffon, 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 somebody, hello, Billy, and I said, hello, hello, chiffon, 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 chiffon. I got down, somebody got talking to me about fishing, I forgot it. So I went out to a girl I used to go with, and I said, hi, Thelma, and she said, hi, Billy. So what do you want? I said, I hope wants a pair of socks. I said, I hope don't wear socks. I said, she sure does. I beg your pardon. He said, she wears stockings. I said, well, that's what I want. <laughs> I thought it already made a show of my ignorance, so I said, she said, what kind does she want? And I said, what kind you got? <laughs> I wanted her to say, she said, well, we have the... the Rayon, and I said, that's what I want. Oh, I didn't know there's two different kinds. And he said, I said, that's the kind I want. I want it the full style in the back, that thing. And she got them for me, and I was supposed to pay 60 cents for them, and I think it cost me 20. I said, well, give me two or three pair of them. See, I, I was, so I went back up home and tell her, I said, you see, honey, I said, I'm, I'm Abraham's son. I'm a little Yiddish, you know. I said, I just know how to get things. I said, you women go to Louisville and look all around for bargains all day long. Come back home, spend all your money, and don't have any more bargain. You got right here at home. I just go downtown and get three pairs of stockings for a pair of one, price of one. She said, did you get chiffon? I said, yes, ma'am. So I didn't know this chiffon and rayon. It all sound the same to me. <laughs> After a while, she bought another pair of stockings. I made a mistake, so I just thought I'd better leave away from that, you know. I, it's like this, your stuff you put on your face and in your hair, and so, that's for the women to discuss, isn't it? All right. How many loves the Lord? Say amen. amen. Let's read some of his word here now. 
and talk in his word just a little bit, just on a little old—I'm not, as I've said lots of times, tell you I'm not a preacher. I'm just one of these old-fashioned sassafras, uh, you know, backwoods, believe in an old-fashioned backwoods, sky-blue, sin-killing religion. You believe in that? And we can get along. <clears throat> I believe that it, it don't whitewash, it washes white. Makes you clean from sin, straightens you up, takes all the crooks out of you and puts you off a, out of Crooked Street over on Glory Avenue. Don't you believe in that? Sure, the joy bells of heaven just ring, to, and you're just uh, walking every day in the Spirit. There's no condemnation to them which are as joined church. No condemnation to them which have shook hands. No condemnation to them which has been baptized. Uh-uh. No condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. How do you get into it? By one spirit, we're all baptized into one body. Is that right? St. John, the 11th chapter. I want to read some scripture. 18th verse. Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Martha, as soon as she had heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto the... Jesus, Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatever you ask God, God will give it thee. Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She said, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ that was to come into the world. The Son of God, which is to come into the world. Let's bow our heads just a moment. Now, Father, these few words, I pray that you will bless them this afternoon and give them the right place in every heart and give them the right place in my lips that we might glorify thee and give faith to the people by hearing, for faith cometh by hearing. And may there not be any sick or crippled left in even for a meeting tonight. May they all be healed this afternoon. Grant it, Lord. May all the sinners be saved, the backsliders reclaimed. Get glory out of the service, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we like to <clears throat> look at this for a few moments while you pray with me, and I'll try to watch that clock and, and let you out in plenty of time to get back for the services tonight. And... <clears throat> I want to talk on, on Lazarus being raised out of the grave. In what manner was he raised? How did he come up from the grave? Now, first we want to get the background of it and find out. Now, I want you to, to pray with me now and give me your undivided attention just for a few moments. Um, I believe in the resurrection. I believe in the bodily, physical resurrection. I believe in the physical, bodily return of Jesus Christ. I believe that his church is his representative on the earth now. I believe that the church is washed with the blood of Jesus Christ, and the church is a Holy Ghost-filled church, preaches holiness to the very extremes. Don't you think so? I think of in the Bible, when there was a sin offering. They've taken two turtle doves. They're cleansing for leprosy. Leprosy in the Bible was a type of sin. They used to take two doves, and one of them, they took and pulled its head off and turned it up like this and bled the blood, the, the 
let the blood come on the other live mate, take it to the window and turn the dove loose, the live one, and it, as it fluttered its little wings, while the blood fell down to the ground off of its dead mate, and the, that blood hit and splattered on the ground from the dead mate, cried to the Lord, Holy, holy, holy unto the Lord. How perfect that is of the church. How that Jesus Christ, when God came down and was manifested in flesh, took upon himself the form of sinful flesh, was killed and crucified at Calvary, and the blood of the dead mate is put up on the church, the living bride, and she goes across with her wings of flamping, and the blood of Jesus Christ crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. A perfect cleansing for leprosy. Leprosy, there was no cure for leprosy. They haven't found it yet. Only God can cure leprosy. They haven't found even nothing far to help it. But it's a type of sin. It sets in so gradual, it's painless, just moves right in. You don't know it until you're dying. Big white warts come out all over you. Limbs drop off and everything eats you right into the, just, just eats you up. Leprosy. Jesus was the only one who could heal this leprosy. He's the only one today who can heal this leprosy. But now, in the beginning of Jesus' ministry, <clears throat> he's such a great person, there never was no one ever on the earth like him, and there never will be anyone like him. He was, he was the only begotten Son of Almighty God. We are sons by adoption through him, but he is God's only begotten Son. Adam was God's son. Do you believe that? He was God's creative son. But this is his begotten son. God begotten his son. It's just like the blood, the bloodstream comes from the male sex. We know that. The mother is just the incubator for the child. And the mother's blood has nothing to do with the child at all, although it's born in the blood of the mother, but it has nothing to do with it. It hasn't got one drop of the mother's blood in it. It's the blood of the father. And the life lays in the blood. Here are many of you people around here. You, you're farmers. Perhaps you uh, go out on the farm to get your uh, poultry and stuff. Look at a hen. A hen can lay the egg, and she don't have to necessarily be with the male to lay the egg. And it's an it's a egg just the same, everything just like, but it'll never hatch. It'll just lay right there, and it'll rot. You can set that egg. But if it isn't fertile, if she hasn't been with the male bird, it'll, it'll never hatch. It's no good for to, it's got the blood in it. The blood comes from the male. Well, that's no matter if the old hen can sit there on that egg until she got the poor, she couldn't get off the nest. Well, the egg won't hatch, it'll rot. Now, I've often made this expression. That's just about like the church today. And every form of godliness we have, go to church, pay your tithes, good church member and everything like that. But, brother, they'll never be able to get anywhere. you just have a nest full of rotten eggs until they get in contact with the mate, Jesus Christ, and be born again. That's right. The old church can hover until she gets the poor she can't get off. That's right. Don't know nothing else but churchism. But I tell you, brother, until a man's born again, it won't do any good, and he can't be born again until life comes into him. That's right. Now look at how God planned that. Now, God is the male part of that brought Jesus Christ here. Now, God's a spirit, so there couldn't be any sex. There couldn't be any sexual desire. 
Because if it was, then Jesus wasn't born to virgin birth. So God is a spirit, and he overshadowed this Mary and created in her the blood cell that brought forth the Son of God. And it's through his holy blood that we have access to life, and our sexual blood is dismissed, and we have the blood of Jesus Christ that stands for an atonement, making an atonement for our sins. How beautiful a picture. You believe that? You have to be if you're saved. You can't accept nothing else and be saved. Only he was a virgin-born son of God. God Almighty just overshadowed the woman. She knew nothing about a man. And so he just overshadowed her and created in her this cell. Not long ago up in the mountains, I think Dr. Ackerman, if I'm not mistaken, sitting here this afternoon, we was together up in the mountains not long ago, and a perfect infidel come to me and tried to argue with me as a rancher up there that there was no such a thing as that virgin birth that was all nonsense, that it's just a little slip-up like they always have in every age. Joseph was the father of that baby. I said, nope. God was the father of that baby. There is no such a thing, he said. There is no such a thing. So it's all against scientific research. Corn won't even pull without natural male and female. And woman couldn't have a baby without actually being with the male. I said, do you believe? And he just got through telling me that the first man was a sponge. Then he become a polywog. Then he become a frog. And then he become a tadpole or something or other. He brought it all down to a far-eating dragon. And then finally a monkey. And then put a collar and tie on him and called him a man. I said, mm. That's nonsense. And remember, did you ever read the ethics of Darwin on that? Why, it's crazy. And you people over here this side of the river, let them teach it over here in the school. That's a weakness of Christianity. When you said that little polywog scooted around for thousands of years on his shoulder and he wore a little wart there and an arm come out. Then he quit scooting on that side. He scooted on the other side another thousand years and wore another wart and another arm come out. Oh, oh my. Anybody could believe that? I ain't got that much faith. I just believe what God said. <laughs> I haven't got that, that much. That takes too much faith for me. I just got to believe what God said. If he created man, that's all there was to it. So anyhow, that and then I asked him, I said, then you believe that Jesus had a mother, but he had to have a father too? He said, yes, sir. I said, I want to ask you something, man. Where did the first man come from, and who was his father and mother? According to science, he had to have a both father and mother. And who was the first man's father and mother? Let him be monkey, tadpole, sponge, whatever he might be. According to your statements, he had to have a father and mother. He's never answered me to this day. <laughs> You can't either. Oh, I'm telling you, folks, some people so narrow between the eyes you lay a lead pencil like that and blind them. That's the truth. That, uh, it's the truth. It's, uh, they just jump at anything just for conclusions. You don't stop and try to weigh it out. Weigh it against this. This is the only scientific book there is in the world. This is the only thing. Here's the only book that tells you where you come from, who you are, and where you're going. That's the only book there is in existence. Is that Bible. I believe every word of it. Just, I believe it just like... It's just written there. I'm just ready to hang my soul on any phase and say, it's Thus saith the Lord. Yes, sir. Some little fellow not long ago had went away to a school, and he'd learned a whole lot that he ought not to learn. Now, I ain't got nothing against schools and education and seminaries and so forth, but you take God call a preacher, and the first thing you know, they take him out to a seminary, and, and they pump all out of him. There is a God out of him, and then pump some of the theology in him and send him off like that, and he's worse than he was when he went there. Now, that's true. Now, look, friends, I come up here to, do, to talk about God and his work, and I, 
I, I don't know nothing. Just hit the latch right to the root of the tree and let the chips fall wherever they want to. That's right. And, brother, that's true. They pump out of him what God put in him. That's, it puts him out go around like a big old morgue, you know, out there, cold, dead place, icicles, a spiritual thermometer about 90 below zero and go into it. A, a morgue always takes a man that's dead and pumps something into him to make him stay dead. <laughs> That's just about the way it is. They pump all this. Again, there could be life out and throw the dead stuff in him. That's right. Keep him dead. That's, oh, it's such a pity. And this little old woman got sick. She got pneumonia. So she called for her son to come home. The doctor said she's going to die. Some little old Holy Ghost woman is led by the Spirit, went up and told her, said, you know, you believe in divine healing? Said, never heard about it. Said, the Bible said, they lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Well, she won't know all about it. And so they went and said, let my pastor come up and pray for you. So the full gospel pastor went up and prayed for the woman. And when he went up and prayed for her, God healed her. A few weeks after that, the boy come home and said, Mother, said, you know what? The strange thing to me, said, I, why, how'd you get well so quick? She said, oh, honey, I got something to tell you. She said, that woman is, uh, used to come by here and sell milk. Said, she goes to that little uh, bunch of holy rollers down there. Said, you know they believe in divine healing? And he come up here and read out of me, he said to me out of the Bible in Mark 16, that these signs that follow them that believe they lay hands on the sick and they recover. And he prayed for me, anointed me with all laid hands on me, and the Lord healed me. He said, oh, praise the Lord. He said, mother, ridiculous. He said, you shouldn't get mixed up with that bunch of people. I said, you begin to act like them. He said, that, that's a shame. He said, well, she said, honey, he read it out of the Bible. Well, I said, mother, we've learned in the seminary that Mark 16 from the ninth verse on is not inspired. She said, well, hallelujah. said, mother, what's the matter with you? said, what are you doing? She said, well, I was just thinking, if he could heal me with uninspired word, what would he do with that was inspired? And how much more? So that's right. If, he if the uninspired word could do it, what would the ones really inspired do? So that's right, friend. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In introducing his life to the world, we find out to go back to his life just a few moments and interview his life. God spoke from the Garden of Eden that he would send him. Don't you believe that? He said that he put enmity between the woman's seed and the serpent's seed, and he did that in Christ. Then when Jesus, about the time that God was going to do something, before God does anything, he always sends mercy before judgment. He always sends warning. And when man won't heed the warning, there's only one thing left. That's judgment. That's right. If you die in your sins, where I am, you cannot come. God sends preachers and everything and gives warning, sends his spirit and warns the people. Now, before he sent Jesus, he sent a warning to the people to make ready his coming. And may I stop here just a minute to say this with the deepest of sincerity? I believe the things that you're seeing taking place today across the world is a warning. Jesus is coming. Down in Korea, the Methodists and Baptists and them down in there are having such a revival. They're receiving the Holy Ghost and speaking with tongues and having healing services and everything else in Korea. Let the pressure come on, brother. It'll push you to God. You don't have to wonder where you're a Methodist or Baptist. Just start praying. God will take care of the rest of it. You just start take, just praying. Get close to God. A minister just returned, said to me, he said, he went into this bunch of people and he said, well, all those Pentecostal people said, the end of Pentecostal and a bunch of them. Well, look at them all speaking with tongues and shouting. He said, ha, the pressure just pushed him into it. That's all. Don't worry. God will do it. He'll push it into it. We thinking about this church is ours and that church is ours. 
when Solomon built the temple, it was cut out from all over the world. And when they come together, one block turned this way and one turned that way, but there wasn't a buzz of a saw or sound of a hammer for 40 years. Every block just went right to its place, and the temple was built. And that's the way it's going to be in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The pure in heart shall see God. But the reason we builders are not getting any work, the same way they did back there, the chief cornerstone was rejected. And that's what's the matter today with the Methodists, Baptists, Pentecostals, and all. The chief cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ, is rejected. We have all of our theology, theology and things. We speak of this and what our church believes and what our church don't believe. We teach it in, pump it in, everything like that. But the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the power of God to let freedom in amongst the people is rejected. And that's the very cornerstone that will build a church that will go home to meet Jesus. Hallelujah. I believe it. The cornerstone is kicked out in a bunch of weeds. They built their church and they built their church but come to find out the place where that they left undone, that cornerstone fit right into it. In the day where all the power, signs, and wonders has been left undone, you find out the Holy Ghost fits right in there. For he is the one who brings the power of God into the church. Amen. God always sends his warnings. Just before the coming of Jesus, he sent an angel down out of heaven by the name of Gabriel. Now, minor angels comes. My, yes, you see angels. Everyone has a guarding angel. According to the scripture, Jesus said, There are angels always behold my Father's face, which is in heaven. Here some time ago, a minister told me, he said, Brother Branham, there is no such a thing as seeing angels. Angels don't lead the church. The Holy Ghost leads the church. I said, That's right. But we still have angelic beings as ministers of spirits sent in the presence of God. He said, Well, our church don't believe in that. I said, I don't know what your church believes. I know what the Bible teaches. He said, well, Brother Branham, angels might have been back in Daniel's time and back then, but not since the Holy Ghost has come, no angels. I said, do you believe that Philip had the Holy Ghost? Certainly. Well, who was it to come to him and told him to leave that great big revival they was having and go out into the desert to meet that Ethiopian? Was it the Holy Spirit? No, sir. The angel of the Lord come to him. Is that right? Philip had the Holy Ghost. How many believe Peter had the Holy Ghost? You all do. Well, who was it that night when he was in jail? He was going to cut his head off the next morning. He was having a prayer meeting down at John Mark's house. Who was it shined in there, firelight coming and hung over him and touched him and raised up, dropped the shackles off of him, opened up the doors and set him out on the street? The angel of the Lord. Exactly. He had the Holy Ghost. Who was Paul, that great saint, 14 days and nights, no moon stars, all hopes that ever be saved was gone. And he went out in the gallery to pray and he came out and said, Wherefore be of a good courage. For the angel of God, whose servant I am, stood by me last night, saying, Fear not, Paul. Is that right? The angel of God. Look, over on the Isle of Patmos, the whole book of Revelation was revealed by an angel. Ah, Jesus has sent my angel to show you things that will shortly come to pass. Is that right? The whole, and John started to worship the angel. But a true angel will never stand to be worshipped. No, sir. He said, Worship God. <laughs> That's true. All these false angels, true, just like these false spirits and so forth, but a true angel of God will always point you to Jesus Christ. Yes, sir. Paul said, if an angel from heaven had come preach any other gospel, and that which you've already heard, let him be accursed. Is that right? So watch what the angel teaches. If it's bringing along in the gospel and sound and doctrine and everything according to the Bible, then believe it. So God always sends angelic beings to warn the world. He said, I believe that these angelic beings in the earth today are warning the world of judgment to come. I could go a little bit on your flying saucer here just for a few minutes, but I won't take that much time. 
But anyhow, did you notice before the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, which is a perfect thing of today, God sent angels down there to call Lot out? Is that true? Look, just before the coming of the righteous one, the great Son of God, God sent an angel down. And that angel come to a home that was a respected home. If you want angels to visit your home, be like Zachariah's home. Him and Sarah living upright before the Lord, keeping all the statutes and all the commandments of the Lord, living in perfect obedience to the word and the light that they had. And Zachariah, his office was to wave incense, burning incense at the altar while the people were praying. And while he was waving this incense, standing on the right-hand side of the altar stood Gabriel, the great archangel. Now, angels can come, but when you hear of Gabriel coming, be ready, something major's on the road. Gabriel announced the first coming of Jesus, and Gabriel will announce the second coming of Jesus. Right? Notice, Gabriel come to Zechariah and told him that he was old, his wife had always prayed for children. What a difference today it is. It's a shame the way our nation is, the people is polluting the nation. There's nothing wrong. Someone said, Brother Bram, do you think the communists will ever sweep over America and take America? No, sir. I don't believe it. It isn't communists that's going to hurt us. It's our own rottenness right among us is what's hurting us. It ain't the robin that pecks on the apple that hurts the apple. It's the worm at the core that rots the apple. And our own demoralization that we've got among us now, our women smoking cigarettes and drinking whiskey in the bar rooms and things filled at night and cussing and carrying on, that's what's killing us. These churches around here are having a form of godliness denying the power thereof. That's what's killing us. Amen. Amen. That's it, Zachariah. Here was Zachariah standing there. I want you to notice. He said, now, after the days of this ministration here, you go home to your wife, and she's going to conceive and bear a son. And you'll call his name John. And look at that callous man now. That just goes to show about how callous people can get. He had plenty of examples. Hagar and Sarah and them. Sarah being 100 years old and received a child. He said, these things can't be. My wife's too old. And he said, I am Gabriel that stands in the presence of God. My words will be fulfilled in their seasons. But you'll be dumb till the day the baby's born. Oh, my. When God speaks all heaven and records it, I'll tell you, it's got to happen. No matter how funny it seems and how unreasonable it seems, it's going to happen anyhow. Because God said it was. My words will be fulfilled in their seasons. After the people seen that he didn't come out, they looked and wondered what was the matter with him. After a while he come out, they seen he was a mute. He couldn't speak. He, he beckoned to the people to go away. Went home. And his wife conceived. She hid herself. And then about six months later, I like to give this a little drama. Let's go down in Nazareth. A wicked town. Way worse than Evansville. Wicked, really. The worst town in the world. And there's a little virgin living there. No matter how wicked the city is and how other girls do and how other men do, you can be a Christian anywhere. Notice, I see her going down to the virgin spring. God willing, I want to pass through there in the next few months. And then with a, 
a big oriental type water jug sitting on her head. Here she comes packing the water up. It's wash day. That's the worst day that I ever know of around the house. I still even, we got a, a electric washer. I still hate to see wash day come around at home. And then mom used to down in Kentucky, we had an old boiler, an old uh, kittle set out in the backyard. How many remember them old kittles? Look at the country, folks. Well, I'll take off my tie now. I feel like I'm at home. Look, brother. Yes, sir. Old kittle now used to have to cut wood and pack that kittle and put under there and and boil them clothes and oh my that old homemade lie you know and get that old soap and everything scrub over the washboard it's a sweaty day now, I remember then he's come around and get a kittle of, in the fall year and cook preserves in them you remember that I used to have to cook the preserves I remember one time chopping an old locust post old fence rails and things trying to get that stuff to boil and uh, it looked to me like it was hot enough to can these little old yellow tomatoes you know gourd tomatoes I you know, they go right good now between hot biscuit and some good old-fashioned white country butter. Wouldn't they go good? <laughs> I should say, that's, that's real eating. And I remember Mama would get a great big kid of them and cook them. And I'd chop wood and put it on there. And I'd say, My Mama, them things are hot. And she said, Honey, you, they got to get hotter. And I said, Why do they have to get any hotter? She said, They have to get so hot until they go to popping. <laughs> go poom, 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 like that. I said, well, so then they're getting sweet. <laughs> so just keep pouring the wood on. They'll get sweet enough after a while. So that mixes all the juices and everything together, and that runs all the sugar with the juices, and that gets them ready for canning. I thought that's about right with an old-time Holy Ghost meeting, too. Just keep throwing the old gospel wood on there, brother, and let her get hot enough so you have a testimony meeting. Pop, poop, pop, poop, pop. Like that runs all the devil out and gets the Holy Ghost marching around with the people like that. Sweetened up. Then you have an old-fashioned revival on. Just keep laying the wood on it, blowing it just as hard as you can, fanning it. God will take care of the rest of it. It'll sweeten up the preserves and you can can them down then. Yes, sir. I can think of the angel speaking to Gabriel, or Gabriel speaking to the priest. He went up home and about six months later. Here comes Mary with this kittle on her head or pot of water. And right in the face of the road shined a big light shining down from heaven. Walking into this light came the great archangel Gabriel, said, Hail Mary, blessed art thou among women. While the salute kind of frightened the little virgin, she jumped back. She didn't know what it was. There stood the great archangel standing in her presence, told her all about Zachariah's wife, Elizabeth, which was her cousin. John and Jesus were half, were second cousins, or first, second cousins. Mary and Elizabeth were first cousins. And told her about that and said, you're going to have a child knowing no man. She said, how will it be? Said, the Holy Ghost is going to overshadow you. And said, that holy thing will be born and you'll be called the Son of God. Now, I want you to notice the difference. Now, brother, get on your shockproof vest. Listen to this. There are preachers that have all kinds of examples to look to back there, disbelieved it on something that he was going to live with his wife and she had to produce a child in her old age. But this little woman had to believe something that had never happened. Never was a baby born to virgin birth. And instead of questioning, she just took the angel at his word and began to rejoice. I'll tell you what Evansville needs today is like the rest of the world is some more Marys who can take God at his word and start rejoicing over it. Now, she didn't wait till she felt life. She didn't wait till she was positive. 
She just took God at his word. Don't wait and say, now, when my hand gets a little better, I'll believe it. When I can move my foot a little more, believe it now, start rejoicing. Hallelujah. Take God at his word. It'll produce just exactly what he said. Amen. Brother, I feel like a holy roller right now. Look, you're going to call me that anyhow, so you just might well get started at it. Oh, and people will take God at his word. God said he'd heal you, believe it. God said he'd give you the Holy Ghost, believe it. God said he'd give you eternal life, believe it. God's still got his angels, he's still got his man, he's still got his ministry, he's got everything, just as he always had. And he's got somebody who's going to believe his word. I can see little Mary going around saying, I'm going to have a baby, knowing no man, I'm going to have it anyhow. Oh, Mary. I can see the doctor saying, Mary, say, do you know you, you, you'll start a fanaticism? Well, they'll crash you with them holy rollers down there if you start testifying such stuff as that. Very, well, doctor, don't make any difference whether I am now or not. I'm going to have it anyhow because God said so. Amen. That settles it. When God says so, that, that's the plumb line. All right. I can notice her now. Here she goes up into the country. Oh, my. She's going up to meet her cousin. She'd heard about her. You know, she wanted to find out how this was up there. So way up in the country, she went to meet a Mary or Elizabeth. And Elizabeth had hid herself now for six months. And the baby had, had no life yet. So when she seen Mary coming, oh, I can see Mary just running so happy because she's going to have the baby. No signs or nothing, but she believed it anyhow. So she goes out to meet Elizabeth. And Elizabeth come out to meet her, you know, and throw her arms around her, I imagine, and begin to hug her and kiss her, saying, Oh, Mary, I'm so glad to see you, darling, and them hugging one another. Women used to do that. Man used to have a great fellowship, but that died out somewhere. That's right. You don't have love for one another no more. Don't have no feeling for one another no more. Well, the only way you know your neighbor's dead when you read it in the paper anymore. That's right. Nobody don't have any feeling for one another. Well, down in Kentucky, we used to go and help shuck the corn out and cut the wood and everything when somebody was sick. You don't know nothing about that no more. Nobody knows anything about it. Brotherly love, it seems to be ceasing. It's too bad. Now, I can see Mary and Elizabeth hugging one another. Here I tell you, it's on my wife. I ain't spotted her yet. She's sitting right here somewhere. She's going downtown here not long ago and was riding along the street and there's a, some girl said, Hello, Sister Branham. Uh, I never heard her say anything. I said, that girl spoke to you. She said, I spoke to her. I said, well, I didn't hear you. She said, well, I, I smile. <laughs> a little silly grin. <laughs> you know, I, I like a good old-fashioned Methodist pump handle shake like that. Brother got some feeling in him. Paul Rader said one time, him and his wife was having a little spat, fussing or something or other. Said he sat at the table reading the paper He'd always kiss her goodbye when he went out the door. And said he got up that morning, go out the door, and said, she'd stand at the door with her head down. Said she puckered up her lips, and he kissed her. Said she'd always stand when he got out the gate. Then he closed the gate and turned around and said, goodbye. Said he turned that morning and said, goodbye. And she said, goodbye. Went on down the street, and he got thinking about it. Said, you know what? What if something happened to me today? And you know the Lord don't want me to feel that way about that. So maybe I was in the wrong. He got thinking about it just as, oh, he got so bothered about it, so back up home he went. Through the gate, rushed to the door. When he threw the door open, she'd stand behind the door crying. So he just never said a word, just looked at her, pulled her around, threw her up against him and kissed her, said goodbye. She said goodbye. He went out the gate, pulled the gate together, said goodbye. She said goodbye. He said the only difference was the last time had a feeling in it. 
That's right. Brother, that's what I think about religion. It's got to have a feeling in it. It's got to have something there. Something positive. Something real. Makes us know and feel that God is near. This man's our friend and he's our brother. This is, this is friendship. I can see Mary and Elizabeth out there, you know, or just having a great time rejoicing. I hear Mary say, Oh, Elizabeth, I'm so happy. You're an old woman here and you're going to have a baby. Yes, I hear her say, That's true. But you know, Mary, I'm just a little upset. I've hid myself now for six months. For, you know, there's no life yet to the baby. Now, that's subnormal. I want you to watch the first thing that, about Jesus now. That's subnormal. About two or three months life. She said, but this is six months and no life yet. Well, she was worried about it. And then she said, you know, Gabriel met me and he, he overshadowed me and said that I was going to have a child knowing no man. And she said, he told me I was to call his name Jesus. And just as soon as he said, she said, Jesus, little John, come to life again, leap in her wounds for joy. The, brother, the first time that the name of Jesus Christ was ever spoke by mortal lips brought life to a dead baby. What does it do to a born-again church? It's born to the power of God. If the first time it was ever spoke brought life to a baby, and that baby doesn't only receive life, it's near eternal life. It receives the baptism of the Holy Ghost in the mother's womb. Yeah. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel religious. Look, brother, I tell you, when he spoke that name, that mother spoke that name, Jesus, and Elizabeth got the Holy Ghost at the same time, she said, when did the mother of my Lord come to me? said, as soon as your salutation come into my ears, my baby leaped in my womb for joy. Hallelujah. I tell you, brother, if it'll do that to a dead baby, what will it do to a sick man or woman that's born again of the Spirit of God? He'll give life to. He'll take death away every time and bring life. That great, wonderful name of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, how wonderful he was. I wish we had time, but our time's getting away quick. Let's hurry. Let's go down here now just a minute. When this little baby John was born, he didn't go out to the cemetery or seminary. It's all the same place. All the same name. I've always felt a seminary preacher like I did by incubator chicken. It just chirp, 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 and ain't got no mammy to go to. It's mechanically turned out. That's what's the matter with a lot of these fellows today. You don't know nothing about God and don't deny the power of healing. And the power of God is because you ain't got no real father to go to. You've got a seminary to back you up. I'd rather have the Holy Ghost at any time to back me up and the whole world will be against me. When God will confirm his word with signs and wonders, Father, it shows where you come from. Amen. Amen. Amen means so be it. Don't let it get scared. I've never hurt nobody yet. I slobber a whole lot up here, but I've been eating a lot of new grapes out of cane, and that makes me slobber, you know, so I got a horse eating clover. But look, brother, I know where I'm at. I'm not excited. I know right where I'm, where I'm at. So I don't hurt people. Just stand and open up your hearts and get into it. That's the way to do it. When I was a little boy, we used to go swimming. And I was, used to have less clothes than any of them. It just had one old pair of overhauls with a fodder twine around and a nail for a button. Did you ever have that? All you country boys? We'd all start running, you know, banner maker, who'd be the last in? I was always the first one because I didn't have pull-off, no shoes, didn't have any pull-off. Only thing I had to do is pull a nail. Them clothes just hung in the air and I was in the water. They didn't look on to see what me, what, how the water was. 
If the water was cold, I'd hold up one finger. It's cold. If I held up two fingers, it was good. Come on in. That clothes are going to scatter everywhere. Everybody would be in the pool. And brother, I'm telling you now to you guys that's never been in the pool, I got two fingers up. It's just right. Jump into it and find out. You'll find out it's just wonderful. The Spirit of God bathing through the people, Holy Ghost, sanctifying, power, cleansing, healing. Oh, it's marvelous. Amen. Notice, oh, I can just think of John when he was born. What kind of baby ought that to be? He didn't go to no seminary, but he went back out in the woods out there and stayed with God. Instead of studying genealogy, he went out on his knees and got some neonology. He knew what he was talking about. He came out of the wilderness, brother, with a, not with a tuxedo suit on, his collar turned around the back. Eating fried chicken three times a day? No, sir. That boy come out with a big old piece of sheepskin dressed around him like this, but he preached repentance. Hallelujah. And he preached such a message as turn all the regions around about Jordan. What we need in Evansville and everywhere else today is some Baptist preachers that'll preach like that, not compromise with sin. Right. That'll preach the gospel. Oh, Harry, come out there with Philip, his brother's wife. I heard somebody say, don't you preach on marriage divorce? He stuck his finger right in his face and said, it's not lawful for you to have her. Yeah. Hallelujah. How could a man that had the baptism of the Holy Ghost in him do anything else but condemn sin when it was before him? Amen. I feel good. Look, brother. Let me, oh, you say I'm crazy. If I, let me alone if I'm crazy. I'm having a good time. I lost my own mind to the world to find Christ. Yes, sir, it always is silly to the world. But I don't make any difference why it's silly it looks to the world. I'm enjoying it. I'll tell you one thing. I'm having a lot more good time enjoying myself and having good health and prosperity and everything with this kind of a mind than I had when I had the kind of mind the world's got. Amen. All right. Look at little old John. I can see him standing out there just a preaching away. My, how he was laying the axe to the root of the tree. Every tree that didn't bring forth good fruit was hewed down and cast into the fire. What a Baptist preacher. Brother, that was one Baptist had the Holy Ghost. Yes, sir, he really preached it. And he didn't get it when he believed. He got it by unmerited grace. That's exactly right. That's the way everybody else gets it. Not when you believe, but have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? The gift of God is eternal life. The baptism of the Holy Ghost comes down and brings signs and wonders. Amen. Oh, how I love him. How God's always kept his word. God will keep his word every time. Not 99 times out of 100, but 100 out of 100. God will keep his word. I thought when Israel journeyed that way and come out of Egypt, went over into the promised land, God promised to take care of him. He's under obligation to do just exactly what he promised. I think when they crossed the river, there was nothing to eat, no place no place to go, just come out on bare words that God spoke to his prophet and said he'd take care of them. And there they were standing on the other side, the taskmasters all dead laying in the sea. What a glorious time. Here some time ago I was preaching on the two trees out of Eden, and I said, uh, that was a bunch of holy rollers, and somebody called my hand. said, do you mean to tell me that the great prophet Moses was a holy roller? I said, he sure was. He sure was a holy roller. Why, Brother Branham, ridiculous. I said, well, I'll tell you something. After he passed through the Red Sea and seen all them old things that drove him and made them people do what they didn't want to do, drove them around like old dirty habits and show going and everything else and going on is making you do what you don't want to do. Right down in your heart, you know it's wrong to do it. You run out and do things, you're just a slave 
to it. And when he seen all them drowned in the Red Sea, Moses threw up his hands and began to sing in the spirit. And Miriam, his sister, the prophetess, picked up a tambourine, began to dance and run down the river, or dancing in the spirit. And all the daughters of Israel followed her. Amen. If that ain't a holy roller meeting, I've never seen one. Amen. Amen. I mean, what I said here not long ago about up here I was passing through, I like to go hunting because it's like getting in the woods and be alone. I passed through a place one night up in British Columbia about it two years ago. I was hunting and I got lost out there and this old place was 1,100 miles from the hard top road. So it was all a bunch of horses and I was chasing a grizzly bear and I got lost out there somewhere and I didn't know which way to go. So I thought, well, Lord, you help me back. You, you're the ones with me. I was riding along, got dark. I got down to an old blowover, where there's an old burnover, rather, where there'd been a big bunch of trees standing way up high, and the moon was shining. And if you ever talk about a spooky-looking place, you ought to get in one of those. Mm, it's worse than seminary. So you get in there, you know, all these great, big, old, spooky-looking trees, and then the first thing you know, here come a big wind coming down, a rushing wind come out of the heavens, and when it hit them old trees, it made it more spookier than ever. They began to go, I thought, oh, my. Oh, I said, well, what do you know? Look at those big old trees. Why don't they, why, they just stand there just as straight and starchy, you know, couldn't move. And the wind is blowing, they go, hmm. And I thought of over in Joel. He said, what the palm worm left the caterpillar eating, what the caterpillar left the locust eating, so forth. And I happen to think of Joel's prophecy. That's right. What one left the other eating. But I thought it was a very bad picture until I thought over in the third chapter of Joel, God said, I will restore, saith the Lord. I thought, Lord, where does this part come in? I have to look down, that wind come down through there again, I stopped my horse, just acting like a holy roller, shouting as hard as I could right there, just going on my hands up in the air, glorifying God. I happened to look, the horse always, his ears looking down at me, wondering what in the world was going on with him. And I was just running around around the tree, just shouting and praising the Lord, having a good time, because I've seen something. I seen them great big old trees down. I thought, yeah, that's just like these great big old towering churches standing here. And every time God sends a rushing mighty wind like he did on the day of Pentecost, the only thing they can do is stand there like a big old tombstone go, mmm, days of miracles has passed. Mmm, there's no such a thing as divine healing. Mmm, that's holy rollers. Mmm, don't have nothing to do with that. Mmm, just a moan, moan, moan. That's all I thought, well, God, why'd you send the wind for anyhow? Then I heard it come again, and I happened to look, coming up was a bunch of undergrowth. <laughs> a little old bunch of trees, when that wind hit them trees, they were alive and flexible. They were just a giving and a rejoicing. I said, there's the Holy Lord of Eden. There it is right there now. I will restore, saith the Lord. Yes, sir. They, nobody can say they're not churches. They, nobody can say, but brother, the lights eat out of them. What the Methodists left, the Baptists eating, what the Baptists left, the... Presbyterians eating what the Presbyterians left, the Lutherans eating. Brother, they got it down. One taking out healing, one taking out speaking in tongues, the other taking out all these other things. So they haven't got nothing but a big old starchy thing that don't believe a thing the Bible says. Brother, God said, I will restore. Hallelujah. Right down out of here come up a bunch of holy rollers that were just as green and flexible as they could be. Well, you haven't got no education. I'm as green as a gourd, but I can sure give to the wind. Amen. When God sends the wind, I like to frolic with it. Let them say you're crazy. I don't care. Hallelujah. Just 
eating up the frolic with the wind when the Spirit blows, just, just give with it. Say, Lord said, I'm sending a revival of Holy Ghost power. I believe it, Lord. I believe it. Just rejoice. I am the Lord and heal of thee. I believe it, Lord. I believe it. Amen. Amen. Wish I was twice my size. Maybe I could feel twice as good. Brother, if I did, I don't know how I'd hold it. Oh, sure. Yes, sir. God keeps his word. He kept it with Moses. Always keeps it. Now think of that night when they went in there. Didn't have no bread. The little bread they had on top of their head in this trough. It was all gone the next morning. All that day had nothing to eat. When they went in and laid down, it's not their business to worry. Wasn't nothing to eat, no cornfields to get into, no place to grow any corn. It's nothing but a big old desert. Not even a sprig of grass. How do we go get anything to eat? That's not your question. That's God's question. He said, I will take care of you. I'm the Lord. I'm Jehovah Jireh, the Lord's provided sacrifice. I'll make a way when there is no way. I am the way. All right. Next morning when they went out, they laid bread laying all over the ground. Manna. Is that right? They picked it up and began to eat it. Mmm, it said it tastes like honey. Did you ever taste any of it? Now that was the beginning of the journey of the first church of the natural. Now look at the beginning of the journey of the second church in the spiritual. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they come out of all the churches everywhere, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind, filled all the house where they were sitting, cloven tongues appeared to them like fire, Look it out. Mine, the first thing you know, the power of God got onto them. They forgot about being Methodists and Baptists and whatever more. And out into the streets they went screaming and staggered, Mary with them. All the rest of them just shouting and dancing around the power of God, acting like a bunch of drunks. The Bible said they did. And then big old starchy self Pharisees stood around and said, These men are full of new wine. Peter stood up in the midst and said, Ye men of Israel, and you that dwell in Judea, let this be known to you, and hearken my words, for these are not drunk like you suppose. Seeing it's the third hour of day, but this is that. If this ain't that, I'm going to keep this till that comes. Amen. Yes, sir. That this is that that is spoken of by the prophet Joel. It'll come to pass in the last day, so if God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. For upon my hands made the maid servant, I'll pour my spirit. I'll show signs in heaven above and earth below. And so forth. When they got on like that, the manna was just a pouring down on that old apostle. Yes, sir. They said, what can we do? He said, repent, every one of you. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For this promises unto you and to your children's land. Fall, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. What was it? That original manna fell back there. Every time they tried to keep some of it over, it got wiggle tails in it. That's what's the matter with a lot of our Pentecostal churches today. Got stagnated wiggle tails in them. Trying to say, well, the Lord, give me the Holy Ghost ten years ago. What about today? That's right. Brother, we can't build a fire in the same place twice. Let's move up. God's got something else for us. Don't you believe it? He told Aaron, said, go out there and get two big omers full of it. Several omers. And take it in behind the holiest of holies. We'll keep it there. And every man in the priesthood that enters the priesthood from your answer can come in and have a mouthful of the real first manna that fell on the day, the first day. Oh, how typical that was of Pentecost. It comes to God. Now, that once the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the walls fall down, and you not only have a handful or a mouthful, you can have a heartful of the genuine manna that fell on the day of Pentecost, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Not something that looks like it, but the 
some of the original, some of the real with the same signs, same wonders and everything that fell with it on the day of Pentecost, we get it again when God gives us the baptism of the Holy Ghost. How long was it to stay? That manna fell until they entered the promised land. And the Holy Ghost is here from the day of Pentecost and will stay with us until the day we enter the promised land. Amen. That's what the church needs today. Yes, sir. Not so much membership. We all got a, a million more for 44 and all these different slogans. Bring the people in, shake their hands and put them into the baptistry and baptize them, take them back out. They walk outside, smoke cigarettes, go to shows, dancing. Why is a hog goes to its wall and a dog to its vomit? That's right. That's pretty strong. That's not skim milk. But let me tell you something, brother. That's what the church needs today is a good old time St. Paul's revival and the Bible Holy Ghost. That's what we need. Reminds me here not long ago, I was a little, well, it's been some time ago. A lot of these people are going along, and I thought, well, I've seen an old terrapin. And that old fellow was one of the funniest looking fellows. He made, it's a brother and I, he's making a big old hame legged walks like that. And I said, when I got to him, he went, scuffed right back up. That just puts me in the mind of a lot of people that can't take it. Go to preaching the gospel and say, I'll never go back to that place again. <laughs> no, I can't do it. Go ahead, close in. I said, I'll make him walk. I went and got me a switch and I'd like to beat him to death. He wouldn't come out. You can't beat him into it. I said, I'll fix him. I picked him up top of a shell like this, tucked him down at the creek and socked him down in the water. <laughs> Just a few bubbles come up, that was all. He stayed right in the shell. Brother, you can baptize him this way, that way, face foremost, backwards, two times, three times, anything you want to. You just go down a dry center and come up a wet one. No difference. A few bubbles will start and puff and blow around about it, but he ain't changed. No. You know what I did? I got me a piece of paper and a bunch of wood and made me a fire and set him on it. Brother, he walked in. If anything you need today, what I mean today, what the church needs, there's not some arguing about baptism, not some arguing about this church or that. What we need is a pour down the Holy Ghost and fire. They'll walk when God pours the Holy Ghost up on them. They'll get out and start moving. Don't you worry. Amen. That's right. Oh, my. I can see Jesus coming back. My time just goes. I don't know. Maybe I'm just long-winded. But look, brother, when I can see him here at the time of our text, he just had to leave the home because his ministry was so great. But when he left the home, sickness come in. Let me tell you something here today, Christians. When Jesus leaves your home, sickness will be there. Don't you worry. Trouble's on its road when you drive Jesus away. When you put a deck of cards in there, and instead of a prayer, a prayer to closet, put a card table, all right, trouble's on its road. That's right. When you take some of these old uh, love story magazines and put it in the place of the Bible, trouble's on its road. Don't you worry about that. Yes, sir. When you quit going to church and blow up because the preacher told you it wasn't ladylike to wear shorts, you're on your road. <laughs> Don't worry, trouble's on its road. Just keep on. You find out. This case, they hadn't drove him away, but his ministry. He went away because the Father gave him a vision to go. Trouble come in. Lazarus got sick. We're told by historians that, that Lazarus had something wrong with his lungs. Doctors could do him no good. And they sent for Jesus to come pray for him. You think he come? Uh-uh. He went right on. Well, they sent again. He didn't come. He went right on. Well, if that had been you, 
Brother, you'd have went from the Methodist to the Baptist, tuck your letter over there. I won't fool that old pastor anymore. You'd have went from the Pentecost to the Nazarene. Huh? I ain't going to fool them old people no more. That's the reason God can't do them for you. <laughs> That's right. You're packing your letter from place to place just wore out. Won't you put your name in heaven once, brother? It'll stay there. Okay? That's right. You won't have to pack your letter around. Say, I come in by letter of profession of faith. <laughs> profession of faith. The devil bleeds itself and trembles. That's no sign you're born again. That's no sign you're a Christian until you're filled with God's Spirit. You're still in darkness. That's right. Notice, here he was. Profession of faith. Pack the letter from place to place. Brother, if that ain't a disgrace, I never told him. You need your name written in the Lamb's book of life. Then God will take care of it. Don't you believe that? Amen. That's what we need today as one of those old-time revivals. I remember something about it. A turtle just happened to come in my mind. One time I oh, caught a turtle on the line. I cut his head off. And his old snapper. I said, I'm going to take the hook out and throw it back on the bank. My little brother come along side of the pond. He said, what would you catch while I go, Billy? And I said, a turtle. He said, what did you do? And I said, I killed him. I said, I'm going to take some of the colored folks down there to use to make turtle soup and go take his great big fellow there. He said, is he dead? I said, sure. He said, well, he ain't got no head. I said, no, his head's laying back there. He walked over where it's at. He got a stick, and he put that stick down there, and an old turtle snapped after he's done had his head off, you know. So he had his head up like that, and he stuck that stick down and went, snap. I said, say. My little brother said, I thought you killed him. I said, I'll separate his head from his body. I said, I suppose he's dead. He stuck that stick down again. He went, snapped that again. He said, he's just dead and don't know it, isn't he? That's just what's the matter with a whole lot of people today. He's dead and don't know it. Brother, Jesus Christ will make you alive. That's right. Oh, how glorious. I see him as he comes into the city now. Triumph. Went away. He's on his road back now. And here's little Martha that buried Lazarus. He'd been dead four days, rotten already. Or contamination, or what you want to call it. My kids would know it better if I said rotten. So that's what it was. His body was rotten. And so they just tuck it back, put him in the grave, covered him up. Went on back. Four days is gone. All hopes is gone. The darkest hour that the little family ever seen. Then the first thing you know, they heard Jesus is coming. Isn't that just like him? When the darkest hour comes, then Jesus comes along. Was it that way for you? It was when I was laying in the hospital. The doctor told me I had three more minutes to live. Louisville, Kentucky, in the Jewish hospital. Then Jesus come along. Little Georgie Carter here at Milltown, nine years and eight months, laying on the bed. Her church taught days of miracles is past. God gave a vision, said, go down there. For the darkest hour, she is dying. Weighed 37 pounds. Then Jesus come along. <laughs> yes, it's always that way. The darkest of hour. Then Jesus comes along. I've seen my own family when things get so dark, I didn't know which way to go. Then Jesus comes along. Jesus coming down, that seemed like it. Martha had a right to upbraid him, scold him, say, Here, why do you come to my brother? If she'd have done it, the miracle would have never taken place. Watch on the platform those who come reverently. Watch what they get. It's the way you approach anything. It's the way she approached. Now, she had a right, look like. The way us American people said today, well, that pastor, I wouldn't have other. I can hear them all making fun of her, saying, hey, where's that holy roller preacher that was doing all that there, divine healing? Ah, when his buddy died, away he went. There you are. Where is that guy that you all come out of your church for? Thought he was such a preacher. 
And when the real trial come, away he went. But you know, Martha had read the Word. She read over there one time with a Shunammite woman that God had given her a baby. And Elijah told her. And the baby died. She didn't understand why that baby died. But she went to see Elijah. I like that. She said, saddle this mule. Go forward and don't you stop lest I bid you. Said she's going to Mount Carmel to find the prophet. She knew that that prophet was God's representative. She didn't know why the baby was taken. She was barren. And Elijah told her she's going to have a baby. She did. And the little baby got 10 or 12 years old. About 11 o'clock in the day, it had a sunstroke, I guess. It began to cry in my head. The father sent it out of the field. And so the mother lay on her lap. And it died about noontime. She tucked it up and laid it on Elijah's bed. Say, brother, that woman knowed something, didn't she? Good place to lay it. In the prophet's chamber, on the pastor's bed. She laid him up there on the bed. She saddled this mule and took off. Now, God don't always reveal everything to his servants. I can see Elijah saw her coming. And he said, here comes that Shunammite. Said she's got sorrow in her heart, but God's hidden from me. I don't know what's wrong with her. I like this. Watch. He said, is all well with thee? Is all well with thy husband? Is all well with the baby? She got to where the prophet was then. She said, all is well. I like that. Everything's all right. The baby a corpse. Her husband like a maniac walking the floor. Her own heart breaking. But all's well. All is well. She got to God's representative. Like you should do your pastor. She run up there. She fell down at his feet. And she revealed the secrets that the baby was dead. He said, Gehazi, to his servant, gird up thy loins and take my staff and go lay it on the baby. Now, I think that's where Paul got laying handkerchiefs on the people, see? Because Elijah knew that everything he touched was blessed. He knew that in his body was the power of God. He knew he was one of the branches off of God's tree. And he knew God could only operate through him, for he was his representative. And what he touched, he blessed. He said, take my staff and go lay it on the baby. Now, the woman's faith wasn't in the staff. She said, as the Lord God lives and your soul never dies, I'm not going to leave you to it. I know something. I like that. Determined to stay right with it. All right, he girded up his own lawns, and here he went. Gehazi went ahead. I want you to know something pastors too. He said, if anybody talks to you, don't talk to them. Don't say a thing, but go take this commission. I think if we preachers would do that a whole lot more, go on God's commission, quit listening to what people are saying, we'd be a lot better off get more done. And he said, don't you talk to anyone. So Elisha followed him. Gehazi went in and laid this staff. Sure, it wouldn't work. Certainly the woman's faith wasn't in that. It was in the prophet. And when the prophet got there, notice, he never went in again to agonize with God. He walked in, walked up and down the floor, back and forth, paced up and down the floor. Lord, he didn't know what to do. He went, he knew God was in him. So he laid his body over that dead baby, put his lips against its lips, his nose against its nose, and he laid there a little while. He felt the baby. It was warm. Walked back and forth, prayed, walked back and forth again. Went and laid his body up on the baby again, and it sneezed seven times and come to life. Is that right? Now, look, Martha had read that story, no doubt. And she knew if God was in Elisha, surely he would be in his son. Her brother was dead. But she wanted to see Jesus. Here she goes. She didn't come out to scold him. She come out to worship him. And she come running out. She fell down at his feet and said, Now watch how she approaches God. She fell down at his feet to worship, not to scold him because he didn't come do what she wanted to do. She come right. 
She come in the right mental attitude. That's where you got to come. You've got to come to him that way, in the right mental attitude. Fell down at his feet and said, Lord, that's what he was. Give him his right title, what he claimed to be. Said, Lord, if thou would have been here, my brother would not have died. Oh, watch. She's at the right place before the right person. Sarah, Harch, her poor eyes were streaked. Beautiful girl, I guess. Or her eyes were streaked. The breadwinner was gone. Her brother was dead. He was buried, been dead four days, already skin worms in his body. Said, if thou would have been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I like that, even now, whatever you ask God, God will do it. Even now, Lord, he's dead. He's been dead four days. Well, he's stinking. But even now, whatever you ask God, God will give it to you. That's right. Brother, I can see them cogs coming together like that. <laughs> see? Something's got to happen. She's at the right man, the right attitude, the right approach. Everything's moving right. Can't you get that way just now, too? Said, even now, Lord, whatever you ask God. Maybe the God, a doctor told you you wasn't going to live. You got a cancer. What difference does that make? Even now, Lord. You still here. She's sitting at the right hand of God. Don't you believe that? Making intercessions. Even now, Lord, whatever you ask God, God will do it. He said, Thy brother shall rise again. Oh, she said, Yes, Lord. I know he'll raise in the last days, for he was a good boy. He'll raise in the last days. They believed in the general resurrection, you see, them Jews. He said, I am the resurrection and life. Oh, I like that. I am the resurrection and life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Brother, he wasn't very much to look at, but he had the words of God in him that meant truth. Said, said, I am the resurrection life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She said, Yes, Lord. I believe every word of it. I believe that you are the Son of God that was to come into the world. There is God's representative. There is a broken-hearted woman. There's a dead man laying over there. This broken-hearted woman with perfect faith is coming, recognizing this gift of God here, the Son of God, greatest gift ever given to the world, giving him his right title, giving him his right of worship, saying, I believe that you're the Son of God, and whatever you ask God, God will give it to you. Something's got to happen. said, yes, Lord, I believe it. I believe that you're the Son of God that was to come into the world. He said, where have you buried him? Here he goes. Now, on this, some time ago, long time ago, I met a woman who doesn't believe that Jesus Christ was divine. You know that's a common teaching today in the churches? Do you all know that? They believe Jesus is just a prophet or a good man. If he wasn't God, he wasn't nothing. If he wasn't God, he was the biggest deceiver the world's ever had. If he was just a prophet, his blood was no more than my blood. He was God. He was more than a man. He was divine. This, I, tell you, I now listen to you people here belongs to this church. I'm not making fun, and I'm not pushing this off at you. But it's Christian Science. And she said, if I prove to you that he wasn't, he was a, a just an ordinary man. Would you accept it? I said yes, sir. If you can prove it by the Bible. I said I'll prove it by the Bible that he was just a man. I said he was a man, yes, but he was a son of God. 
She said, well, he was just an ordinary man at that. I said, he was, he was, he was more than a man. He was divine. I said, he wasn't divine, Brother Branham. So I'll prove it to the Bible. I said, where would you prove it? She referred to St. John 11. She said, going to the grave of Lazarus, he wept. And so that proves that he wasn't divine because he could weep. <laughs> I said, my, my. I said, that argument is thinner than the broth made out of a shad of a chicken is starved to death. I said, that thing wouldn't hold nothing. I said, do you mean to tell me that that's the reason you believe he wasn't, that he wasn't divine because he wept? He said, yeah. I said, when he went down to the grave, he went weeping. That's true. But he was a God-man. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. I said, he was a man when he was weeping. But when he stood there in a little bitty figure that he was, and a man had been laying there four days, he stretched his little body and said, Lazarus, come forth. Brother, that was more than a man. That was God speaking out of them mortal lips. A man that had been dead four days stood on the earth and lived again. His, dead, his body was four days' journey somewhere. I don't know where he was, neither do you, so we won't argue about that. But anyhow, he'd been dead four days. And when he said, Lazarus, come forth, a man that is dead four days and skin worms crawling through his body stood on his feet and lived again. Brother, that was more than a man. It was. It was true. He was a man when he come off the mountain that night. He was so hungry. He looked all around the tree. He couldn't find nothing to eat. And he cursed the tree. He was a man when he was hungry. But when he'd taken those five biscuits and two or three little pieces of fishes and fed 5,000, that was more than a man. That was God in him. Truly. Yes, sir. He was a man when he was laying out on that ship that night. They floated around 10,000 devils of the sea. Swore they had drowned him. That little old ship bobbing up and down like a bottle stopper. The devil says, I got him now. He's asleep laying there. He's so tired from healing the sick till he can't move. He was a man when he was laying there asleep. That's true. But when he put his foot on the bale of boat, looked up and said, Peace, be still. That was more than a man. That was God speaking out of his son. Hallelujah. He was a man when he cried under Calvary for mercy when he was dying. But when he rose up on Easter morning, he broke the sons of death and hell. That was more than a man. That was God in his son. Believest thou this? I believe that that same Jesus that was yesterday is today and will be forever. Believest thou this? I believe a woman who couldn't get in a prayer line touched the hem of his garment is made ever with whole. Believest thou this? I believe it's Jesus Christ that makes the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the dumb to speak. You believe it's how it is? I believe it's Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. That gives these people the Holy Ghost and makes them scream and shout and tell them the way it is. You believe that it is? I believe the Holy Ghost is right here now. Believe it's how it is? I believe he's ready to heal everybody in the building. Believe it's how it is? I believe he's ready to fill every person with the baptism. Believe it's how it is? Hallelujah! I believe he's here right now. Don't you believe that? Believe us out of this. Let's stand to your feet giving praise right now. I believe you'll receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Believe us out of this. Our Heavenly Father, as you did last night, so be it tonight. May the power of the Holy Ghost fall over this building. God, take away doubts, fears, and give the baptism of the Holy Ghost just now. Brandon, I believe he's here to fill every one of you. Believe us out of this. I believe you'll accept your healing. You can get out of a wheelchair. Believe us how it is. 